Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's an Indie Blues double shot from our featured artist today, Venice Thomas. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. Find a good fight 
from her brand new release and we got Venice on the line right now. Hey Venice, how you been? I'm good. I'm so glad to uh, be with you today, Richard. I am so glad that you are here. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, thanks so much. 
Now, you know, you've been on the show before, but we always like to give our fans this opportunity to get to know who you are as an artist. And the best way to do that is through your journey, your story. So give us the story of Venice Thomas. Well, let's see. This journey started uh, when I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, to Rufus and Lorreen Thomas. Uh, I was their baby. They already had uh, Marvell and Carla, who were soon to grow up to be um, very influential in the record industry, as was my dad. So, um... I was the the littlest one, and I don't think they thought I was going to do this music business. And at first, I wasn't quite sure myself. But, you know, when you're you're ordained uh, to do something, you follow that path. And eventually, I did. And uh, it started me... In fact, I began writing as a teenager, so I was already creating melodies, and and I played the piano and all that stuff, and so it helped me later in uh, as I was beginning my my music career to um, go in with a certain amount of confidence um, as a both a producer and a songwriter and a singer. So that's kind of the short of my of my story um i usually start with uh rufus thomas famous r&b singer and uh dj was my daddy but i think people know that by now right yeah well you know growing up with that kind of um you know um you know famous father i'm, I'm sure that you you were able to kind of Pick the brains of some of the, the the greats of that time. What were some of the people that, that really influenced you as an artist and as a singer? Well, um, as an artist, my sister is the greatest influence that I had because um, I saw her develop as a singer, a songwriter, and, and piano player. Um, so she was the greatest vocal influence I had. But then Memphis had so many different uh, venues that attracted people there. We The jazz venues, blues venues, um, a, a lot of gospel. So I grew up with all of those influences coming through um, my door at home also because daddy was a DJ and he used to get a lot of um, records for free. So we had access to so much music uh, in our household and I was just influenced, I guess, through osmosis. All of that uh, is in me. Okay. Now, let's talk a little bit about the new release. What was the inspiration that you used that kind of drove this um, into existence? That's a really good question. Um, And it's uh, probably an answer you're getting from a lot of artists. The pandemic had a lot to do with driving um, this this project into existence. Um, I had begun writing a particular song with a co-writer of mine, Al Orlo, who is uh, my guitar player um, and music director. And we had begun 
together, you know, in, in my study room. And then the lockdown occurred. So we had a decision to make. Um, how do we want to handle writing songs? Do we want to just let it go or, or not? But the more difficulties cropped up during um, the lockdown and, and the pandemic in general, um, challenges to people's lives, the, the isolation, the uh, racism that we saw, uh, come to the front. Uh, there were so many problems that people were having. We decided that we needed to um, reflect and um, and write some of those things down. So that that was uh, my inspiration. Okay. Now let's talk about you as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. You know, every songwriter has their process that allows them to tap into the muse when you sit down to begin to write what do you like to do to kind of get you get those wheels turning um it's an interesting process for me some people do words then music some do music then words um it all comes to me together <laughs> melody chords and and lyric because a lyric will suggest a melody or a melody will suggest a lyric um so when i sit at the piano um and that's how i write i will you know play a chord that suggests a melody and a word follows right immediately so um that might be how some people write but I don't think a lot of people <laughs> write that way, but um, it, it works for me. And so I'll get the basis, I'll get a sketch for my song that way, and then if I don't finish it right away, I'll come back and flesh it out a little bit more. But all of that comes um, at the same time. Okay. Now, of course, every songwriter has their own toolkit that they like to use when they sit down to write. Sure. You know, obviously, you use the piano as, as an instrument, but what are some of the other tools that you find that are in, you know, invaluable to you as a writer? Um, expression is invaluable to me. Uh, um, grammar and ideas um and of course i use a thesaurus <laughs> and a rhyming dictionary i think mm-hmm. all singers do that um and like i said the expression um through words comes to me you know if you get it a theme in your head like you're going to talk about um, a disaster or something. How do you best express that um, in words? And I, ha- I have my, um, I use my phone, but most of the time I use a pad and a pen. And I, I like to, to, you know, feel the paper and pen. I, I'm a tangible kind of person. And uh, so pen and, and paper are important to my process. And, um, like I said, I'll, I'll use my phone for my thesaurus or my rhyming dictionary. And um, that's, that's how I do it. Uh, I try to express in clear terms what it is I'm trying to say and emotional terms. Okay. Now, um, 
every songwriter has to get to that point where they got to put the pen down and decide mm-hmm. that the song is ready to be, you know, brought to the studio, given to the band, and allow them to kind of put their touches on it. How do you determine when a song is ready to, you know, to go through that process? Um, it's very easy. Uh, if the format you've decided on is complete, I um, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, or and a solo, and you've sort of mapped it out, and um, you have all of those words and expressions the way you, you want them to flow, uh, then it's ready for production. And I am blessed in that um, my husband and I own a recording studio, and our studio is out of our home, and so I have the best expert in the world to um, help take my project and um, make it beautiful, and that's my husband, Wayne. Okay. Well, it's always good to have a studio in the house. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he records for all different kinds of people. He's recorded for Average White Band and uh, the Isley Brothers. And, you know, so he's had a long career on his own with clients. But um, when it's time for our own projects, we sort of lay that aside and and let, let my project come to the front. Okay. Well, how do you like to work in that environment in the studio to, to get your sound? Do you do you like to do it live with the band kind of right there, or do you like to just kind of build it, you know, track by track? Um, the answer would be for my other albums, we were all together. During the pandemic, that wasn't a possibility. So, um, it was more challenging but i must say the people i work with we are so in tune that i don't consider it a problem to send out um a track and ask them to put drums on it or put bass on it or put um, keyboards or guitar or whatever because i know that those people get what i'm doing and they'll do a good job and that's how some of these came to be. But I must say, my husband is also a great um, uh, musician. He's a, a drummer by trade. And uh, so he played drums and bass, and I play keyboards. So um, most of the demos, you know, the sketches that we did for these songs, were done by just the two of us. And then we sent them out to people that we wanted to augment and and sweeten, you know. So Sean Pelton, drummer, great drummer. Um, uh, Will Lee playing bass on a few. So I get people, like I said, I get people who who vibe with me, and I know they'll um, they'll feel the way I feel about a track. Okay. Now, um, who's on this? What is the lineup on this? Well, that's, I I named a a couple right there. That would be my husband, who plays drums and and bass on quite a few of them. Uh, Al Orlo, with whom I write and um, record, played um, guitar 
on some of them. Um, Scott Sherrard, who used to be the MD for the for Greg Allman, he played slide guitar because that's oh man, is is he the best when it comes to that? So he sent me in some tracks playing slide. Um, uh, like I said, Sean Pelton, Will Lee, um, my friend who's been in my band uh, for years, also played bass on some tracks, Paul Adamy, um, John Cobert, great keyboard player here, played organ. Now, what I did do when things got a little better uh, in terms of transmissibility with this virus, I went to Memphis. I always want to put some Memphis grease on, on my records. There you go. Yeah, and I got um, the horn players down there, Mark Franklin, Kirk uh, Smothers, and um, Lanny McMillan, to play uh, on their plan on three of the tracks. So I, I got, you know, and at Boo Mitchell Studio. So I got, you know, history and legacy coming, coming to bear there on my project. So I nice. feel real good about that. Nice. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about getting it out there. You're working with uh, Bessie Brown from Blind Raccoon. Uh, tell me a little bit about that relationship. I'm glad you asked, because Be Betsy is our girl. There is no more knowledgeable person about the blues idiom than Betsy. She she knows the business, she knows the artist, and she understands the, the creative force in us, and she's very sympathetic to that. Um, Betsy and I met uh, right before my first blues album, which was 20... 12. Wow, it's been 10 years. <laughs> and um, um, I had heard that she was the, the best of the best in terms of um, radio promotion and, and um, media promotion. So uh, we got together, we talked about it, see if we, we were a good fit, and we are. And uh, that's been the source of our relationship ever since. Okay. Now, let's talk about the business a little bit. I mean, you've seen the industry change over the years um, several times. I mean, yes, from, lots, of, lots yeah, of change going down. Lots of change. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, over the last 20 years, I mean, the digital revolution has really defined the industry differently mm -hmm. in that the consumer now no longer looks at recorded music as a product to purchase. Right. Uh, it's now a service. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a completely different mindset. And they've really embraced streaming as a way to consume music. How has this shift in perception by the consumer affected you as an artist? It's interesting. It's, it's affected all artists, of course. Um, me, uh, it's affected... Um, let me put it in general, more general terms, and uh, not just me, but artists who are used to receiving uh, monetary remuneration from um, digital downloads have to, it's changed how we have to work. We tour more, we gig more, um, rather than uh, get that royalty checks because those are non-existent <laughs> um there are still collection um 
agencies in the industry. There's, you know, BMI and ASCAP and Sound Exchange and all those things. But that's based on product sold rather than streaming, you know. Um, actually, Sound Exchange is, is streaming, is a streaming uh, collection agency. Right. But, but um, it's, it's forced... Um, let's start at the top. Say you're, um, you're, you're NAS and you're um, uh, used to performing at certain venues, uh, Madison Square Garden, uh, you know, the top venues. It, if those are not available to, say, the second-tier artists, uh, then they have been pushed down in terms of the types of venues that they can afford to play in or that can afford to have them there. And that pushes the third-tier artists down. So you see where this is going. Right. There are new artists who can't afford to get into the business um, because there are very few places to play and the ones that are available to them um, are not very lucrative and so they have to um, and they certainly can't depend on streaming they might post their stuff uh, and sell it on their websites but that's not the same as um, selling a piece of product. You you sell product at your gigs. Um, and now there's nowhere to play a CD. So CDs have become calling cards. They are no longer profitable uh, pieces of, like you call an NFT, right? Right. They are just not profitable anymore. So I see those as some of the problems with new people getting in the business, and even veteran people staying in the business, um, it's it's much more difficult. Well, yeah, I, you know, the thing with streaming is, is that, you know, the big record companies went to Spotify and they kind of created their own deals where mm-hmm. they were given a, a much larger piece of the pie. And that left very little for the independent artist. And what has happened is, it's actually gone to the point where it's depleting the music industry's middle class. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's where all of the innovation happens. That's where, you know, the engineers are learning their craft and, and mm-hmm. the side guys are out there, you know, making some money, you know, playing on other people's records. Right. You know, and without that music industry middle class, there's no place for for someone to find it economically feasible to ply their craft and create new music. That's exactly correct. And I really, um, I'm uh, feeling bad for, you know, the 18 and 19 year olds who are not the superstars and they're not going to be the superstars, but they want to do, as you suggested, they just want to be able to ply their trade. And it's, almost impossible oh yeah and i mean if you really think about it the music industry all right you've got your superstars which is great and and but it's a small percentage very small of of what the industry is there are more working musicians than Mm -hmm. there are stars absolutely 
you know, and that's where we need to put our, our you know, to make sure that there is an economic base mm-hmm. for these working musicians that are, you know, the journeymen, so that, to speak. That's right. That, yes, that's exactly what I call myself. Because I uh, sang backgrounds in, in New York City for many years, and I did commercials, and those were the days when those things were lucrative, and um, they're not as lucrative because people aren't paying background singers very much money anymore. Even on tour, they're not. You know, you you may have a big-name star who's not paying his his um, background singers very well. Um, but uh, those those days are, are, they're limited. There still are commercials and that sort of thing, but the background singing and um, singing on other people's records and stuff, that's that's gotten very limited. Yeah, well, there's, there's no money in it. That's, you yeah. Know. Yeah. There's no way to recoup your investment once you go into the studio, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so it becomes difficult. Now, one of the things that did happen with the pandemic as um, touring stopped, a lot of artists started going on the Internet. They started to do live streaming. They worked mm-hmm. in their social media, and it really accelerated this world of content creation mm-hmm. as a way to market artists you know the fans started to really gravitate because they wanted this kind of access where they see the their artists almost like a reality show you know where they put up this constant flow of content that's not just all about the music but the things they do on the side the their hobbies their their life as people Mm -hmm. and i think uh, a lot of fans have really kind of gravitated to that kind of mentality how are you negotiating this whole new world of of content creation and social media marketing well um betsy as you know is um now involved in blue heart records Mm -hmm. to which i'm signed and um they are very uh good at um this uh content creation in in terms of keeping things, keeping me visible uh, and out there for and having access to to the fans having access to me. So I really appreciate them taking me into the dragging and kicking and screaming (laughs) into the 21st century uh, when it comes to uh, Instagram and, and, you know, everything else. Um, I'm not as... um, visible probably as other people and that's a choice um i i have a lot of fans from i i don't know if you know this but i was uh, a character one of the muses in disney's uh hercules oh okay uh uh-huh and so i have a lot of fan base based around that so if you look up my name online you're gonna see a lot of uh disney hercules come up and those are the people who write to me who ask me for pictures who you know and so i try to stay out there uh I, I even did a podcast not too long ago, um, a reunion of the muses. So, um, you know, I'm trying to stay out there, stay visible, stay relevant. Um, and it's it, 
it's hard, but I do have help from my friends at Blue Heart Records. Well, that's good. And, and you know, I think Sally and, and uh, Betsy are really good at what they do. Oh, very good. Yes, I am so fortunate to uh, have them in my corner. Yeah. Well, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Oh, thanks for asking and um, for, you know, and for playing my my uh, new product. I yeah. hope everybody out there is enjoying it. And, and I'm sure they will. And we're going to give them a double shot right now. And you guys are going to love it. You just turn it up loud. Hell with yeah. the neighbors. We're going to have some fun tonight. Cool.
can I win? No choice but to bear the pain when I still bear the sting. How can I find my way when I'm lost in the wilderness?
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Make you shout now, huh? 